Welcome to PD Insider, the podcast edition. In each episode, we bring you conversations with experts in the law firm professional development community so that you can stay current on industry trends, topics, and innovations. In this episode, PLI's Craig Miller speaks with Don Smith of Kroll & Mooring, who unpacks the importance of diversity for successful professional development. He also examines how an inclusive culture benefits team performance and retention, as well as the evolving status of diversity in PD and the legal community. Welcome. We're pleased to have you join us. Thank you very much. Don, please tell us about your background and how you got into the field of diversity and inclusion at a major law firm. Sure. Um, I started off as an attorney at Freed Frank um, back in 2002. Um, and made the transition actually into professional development. Uh, so I spent most of my time in, in professional development. Um, we had a situation at the firm that um, allowed me to have an opportunity to move more formally in, in diversity. Uh, while I was on the professional development side, I worked very closely with the Diversity and Inclusion Initiative um, and later moved directly into a, a director position and uh, ran that initiative as well as the professional development initiative. So I've always, my diversity background has always been connected to professional development, um, but that's how it started for me. That's great. So how does the uh, PD experience actually inform your work in diversity and inclusion? So I think professional development is incredibly Crucial. I actually, I think they, they work very much together. Um, professional development should be informed through diversity and, and vice versa. Um, you know, we are all at law firms to, we have cultures of excellence and, and we strive to be, you know, really great professionals and, and understanding how that works, how, you know, talent management is maximized, how you can, you know, increase productivity uh, is really the key to professional development, but also diversity. Um, when you're looking at diversity, you're only focusing on particular demographics, but it's, it's really for the purpose of helping someone maximize their potential. So we can borrow a lot from the talent development, professional development side and apply it directly to diversity. Um, you know, same as, as, you know, with professional development, I noticed that um, to have the best teams to make sure that uh, people are using their best, uh, you know, maximizing or getting, you know, the, the greatest perspectives and, and getting potential, um, they have to have diverse perspectives and they have to, to provide, you know, the best client service, uh, making sure that they are inclusive with how they think and, and how they're operating. Um, and I notice sometimes that is missing in professional development and that's missing in kind of individual performance. Uh, so that's been really, really helpful to bring on the professional development side as well. It's interesting. So in your current remit, then you cover both professional development and diversity inclusion. Absolutely. And how does that express itself in the structure of your team? So I have an eight-person team, and um, we do have people devoted to professional development and and, and diversity. However, they literally sit in the same office. We share um, materials. They work uh, very cohesively. Um, It was a team being new to Crawl and Morning. It was a team I inherited, um, and it was something that they already did, so I can't take credit for it. Uh, my predecessor is fantastic and really did a good job of putting t- a good team together. And so I'm just, you know, picking that up and encouraging that. In my past uh, experience, it was something that I did, you know, kind of create and enforce more. Uh, at Kroll, they've been operating at that level for a while and they're really successful. And I, and I think you can 
really see the benefits both on the professional development side and the development side. The staff works so well together. They insist, you know, that they, you know, stay informed and work together. So it's been really fantastic. Any words of advice or best practices for somebody who comes in and takes over an existing team? I think, you know, listen, number one, I, I think, you know, listening is a really underestimated uh, and underappreciated um, skill set. You know, understanding what the firm or what the team needs uh, versus being too quick to prescribe solutions. Uh, in fact, in my case, you know, I think I was brought in not to bring in a solution, but to just help facilitate a process um, because they were on the right path. Um, so me listening and me adapting to what they do uh, was very important. Now, I, I, I definitely think I you know, bring things to the table, um, but I don't feel that I was you know, brought in to be a disruptor to my team. Um, they're really talented and they're really good. And, and um, bringing in just my new perspectives and, and I do probably jump in and, and push things around a little bit. Um, but you know, keeping their momentum and going in the direction they were going, I think is going to be key. And so, you know, listening to the team, um, making sure that you align your initiatives with the firm's strategic goals, very important. Uh, every firm has a different culture, being respectful to the culture of your team and the firm, all very important things to, uh, you know, start, start off running. Focusing now specifically on your role in diversity and inclusion, what would you say are the major challenges that impact you right now? Me or the industry, I mean, diversity, inclusion, the, 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 Well, the law firm world of diversity, inclusion, I'm, I'm thinking even specifically about that recent letter signed by 170 general counsel, sure. uh, an open letter to law firms telling them that uh, they'd like to see improvement or need to see improvement in their DNI initiatives or it might even cost the law firm's business. So, you know, diversity, inclusion is hard to me. Um, you know, it, it's, it operates on different levels. You know, diversity is a numerical issue. It's, you know, the percentage of people in a demographic compared to your larger demographic, um, to mathematics. And so um, I think the, quite frankly, I think the solution is easy. Hire more people, you retain more people. How you do that is actually complicated, and there's a lot of different factors and firms. Uh, one of the biggest challenges is that we've been challenged with it so long, we're kind of stuck in this inertia um, where, you know, making progress um, is something that we're all very challenged with. Um, I think that people are, I would hope that, you know, we're all sincere with, with wanting to change. Um, I know many people are skeptical because change is taking so long. Um, but, you know, I'm very privileged to be in a position to help, you know, move that forward. Um, I think that, you know, some of the challenges, uh, it's just the courage to face, you know, to have meaningful conversations and, and transparent and honest conversations. Um, you know, we all have blind spots, you know, unconscious bias. You know, there's been a lot covered on that. But, you know, still, uh, in a law firm, we're all valued for our um, intelligence and and um, our forward thinking, it's hard to admit that you're wrong. It's hard to admit that you have blind spots and, and that we may be making mistakes. Clearly, we're making mistakes. And so fixing that without self-awareness or without having real and honest conversations is a challenge. Um, having the courage just to move is a, another uh, thing. You know, we, you know, law firms, one of the real challenges is you know, when you're talking about AMLA 100 firms, AMLA 250 firms, um, 
law firms are really successful businesses when they go well. And so to have disruptive change and asking the powers that be to an industry to change the formula um, can be very tough because it's going, you know, in in, in, a lot of ways and a lot of measurements, it's going well. Uh, And that's what we're doing in diversity and inclusion. We're saying, like, look, you're doing good, but um, we want you to change. Now, I think part of the argument is that this change is going to really help you. Um, but that's still hard to swallow when you are, you know, kind of going, you know, doing new things, you right. know. Um, so success, in effect, can be a barrier to change. I think so, you know. Uh, you know, also diver- diversity inclusion actually is, I think, one of the harder disciplines in law firms. Um, you know, when I first started in, in diversity and inclusion, it was a little intimidating to me because, you know, I looked at part of that job as changing the hearts and minds of people. Um, you know, America and our society, as you know, um, we have tremendous challenges. And so to the extent that we can't fix them outside of law firms, you know, I asked myself initially, who do I think I am to be able to change them within law firms? Um, I think that we need to change them in both places. And I think we're working hard to do that. Um, I think it's easier a little bit in law firms because there's a business imperative to making change. You know, we're moving, we're leaving money on the table when we exclude people, when we're not maximizing our talent, when we're not, you know, giving our clients the best service. Um, and so there's an easier kind of conversation. But, you know, when you compare it to, you know, where society is and, and all the kind of things that are going on, um, you know, we can make the same argument. You know, things have, are moving slow. Uh, things move fast, but things move slow. And, um, you know, we just have to be very diligent, be very intentional with how we go about, you know, trying to effectuate change. So, in effect, the law firms are a reflection of the society at large? Um, I don't know if they're a reflection, but I, I think that they reflect some of the things going on in society at large. I think another real privilege about working at a law firm is that we're talking about the elite of the elite. You know, we, we are doing some really fantastic work and, and working for really fantastic clients. I wouldn't necessarily compare it to average America. And I think it's important to recognize we are operating from a privileged place. And I think that there's a greater responsibility um, for that. But there's also challenges. Um, but absolutely, we, you know, we are still human beings. We still have biases. Uh, we still have been socialized. Um, in a lot of ways. And, and that's where I think those honest conversations come up. You know, we, we, um, we still, you know, grow up and operate in society where racism is prevalent, where sexism um, is completely, you know, is prevalent. So for us to try to act like that, those factors don't exist in our professional environment um, is, you know, it's kind of willful ignorance. And, and you know, we need to um, like I said, have the courage to really address it. Do you think the law firms, the leading law firms, are, are willing to embrace the imperative for change in terms of getting out in front of the culture? Well, I think all, I think all the law firms that I'm familiar with, um, absolutely they are. I, I think we're at this point where, um, from an institutional standpoint, um, every organization at this point is... Um, really dedicated to fix it. Now, is every organization really willing to do and and make the change that they want to? Um, Absolutely not. 
you know, and that's, you know, our challenges are to come in and, and to hold ourselves accountable and move forward. But, you know, there's a study, you know, I think the American lawyer a couple, several years ago uh, talked about how 25 years ago when they did a, a survey, uh, they were still kind of dealing with kind of more expressed bias uh, on racism and, and um discrimination. And now, you know, that's where the unconscious bias movement kind of kicked up. We realized that it's not intentional. Um, and in fact, that makes it harder sometimes when you are trying to aim at a target that you can't see um, and it's built into the systems. But that's another really, you know, fantastic opportunity that I have in professional development. Um, and a challenge for me is because on the diversity and inclusion side, I am now tasked to look at the programs and the projects that I've created on the talent development side and, and make sure that there is a check and balance. Um, and and it, it requires a great deal of honesty on my part, you know, um, a, a great deal of like, introspection and, and accountability uh, that my teams have. You asked how my teams work together. Uh, they do work together, but it's also kind of good sometimes to uh, work separately. So you have dedicated people looking at specific things, you know. Um, and so that's why we have a really great system at Kroll where um, we can take really comprehensive approaches to make sure that uh, we try not to leave any stones in turn to make sure that we, you know, screen for bias and that we're really doing our best to create opportunities. When we look at, you know, professional development, what I like to do, it's hard in large organizations, but you know, everybody learns differently, everybody progresses differently, and so there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to development. Same thing with diversity. You know, as an African-American male, um, I think one of the challenges in the past is that um, what was prescribed to me was, you know, this a general approach. Um, and there's a lot of unique things to, you know, I probably have more in common with you than I, you know, could with someone who looked very similar to me. And so we have to have the challenge to overlook those, to, you know, to look past some of um, our traditional ways of looking at connecting with people and uh, moving forward. Thinking more about that GC letter, and since similar efforts were tried in the past, what makes us think that this time it could possibly have a real impact? Um, I think that it is, it's going to take a continued approach. Um, that letter did get a lot of press. Um, and, um, and as you know, you know, it even got some criticism, um, because some people are skeptical, um, and frustrated. You know, there have been past calls to action, you know, um, I think their one was in uh, 2004, was it one of the original ones? Um, and then there was a, an effort through the ABA to uh, pass Resolution 113 last year. Um, and then we saw this letter. And um, I know a lot of people are frustrated that the, you know, the, the needle's not moving fast enough. Um, but I do think that it takes a collaborative approach. You know, I do think uh, clients who are courageous enough to hold law firms responsible. Um, or and accountable who um, do recognize that their shareholders or their customers um, are diverse. You know, we have a, a very diverse society right now, and um, we need to make sure that we, you know, the workforce behind that and who are providing the services reflect um, that demographic. Um, so it, you know, when we do get letters and when we do get requests from. Um, our in-house counsel or our clients, uh, 
it's we take it very seriously. You know, those, you know, our client service is number one, and having them hold us accountable is important. You know, we we, we you know, we're not we don't look at it as a threat. Um, and I think in an or, any organization who did may want to question their intentions. We look at it as an opportunity to, you know, to have further dialogue and to look at our processes. Um, and it's, you know, it's the accountability. And, and I think it's important, you know, the, you know, some of the criticisms, nonprofit wrote, wrote an article. Um, and I thought, too, that, you know, in a collaborative way, without kind of pointing fingers, that's important, too, you know. Um, you know, clients need to, organizations, we all in this society need to be held accountable. Uh, that's one thing why, you know, I wanted to thank you why even having this conversation is important. You know, I know that this is, you know, primarily focused to the, you know, professional development community, but, you know, having a segment where we focus on diversity is important. You know, in the PDC, one thing that we, you know, want to increasingly do is to bring in a diversity component and not just because it's a you know diversity and relegated to a little corner, but to really have it as part of the, the conversation. And so, you know, kudos to you guys uh, to do that. I know as a, a, a PD professional, even um, having diversity content is something that I can, you know, incorporate into my professional development training programs. And so, you know, in some ways, you guys are accountable too. You know, we're all in this together, and and that's going to be really helpful. Um, for moving it along. Now, one of the real challenges with this, though, is to be careful. And one of the criticisms, even to the GC letter, is that sometimes diversity gets in diversity's way. And so diversity professionals, um, I think, especially appreciate this. It's, you know, I've already this year, um, me and my staff have uh, responded to probably 19 uh, diversity survey requests. Um, some of them as long as even 100 pages. Um, and with limited staff and limited resources, um, that's where some of the frustration comes because, you know, law firms really are trying to work hard to address this. But when we are mired in, you know, administrative um, kind of diversity activities, we're not able to do diversity work sometimes. Um, but we know that the request is sincere and, and we want to, you know, work with our clients. So that's where, you know, it can, it takes continuous efforts, you know, as we um, build content, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you hit it on the nail, sometimes you don't. And, and we need to be um, honest, accountable to, to know that we're, you know, we're continuing to move this forward. But I think that the real theme for me, and it's important for us to, for us, all of us who are dedicated to moving this forward is uh, to not point fingers, to not try to assign blame, but to recognize that, you know, we're all accountable for this. You know, I've been doing this for 10 years. And so, you know what, I got skin in the game for why the needle hasn't moved as much as, as it needs to be. Um, and, and why I'm sticking to it is because I want to be part of the solution too. And so, um, you know, I appreciate our clients for bringing things up. You know, I appreciate law firms for trying to come up with innovative ideas. And even when they're not successful to admit that, you know, that didn't work. We're going to move on. We're going to continue to, we're not going to be ashamed of it, but we're going to embrace it and continue to move on. We need organizations like, you know, um, PLI, now PDC, ALFDP, um, for all of us to, to really not compete, but to get together, um, to share our resources, to put our brains together, uh, and to move forward. Because we're, like I said earlier, we're better together. 
Absolutely. So that's, I think that's a brilliant point that all of the stakeholders in the success of the profession and the rule of law, whether it's law firms, clients, educational institutions and others who support the practice really need to make an effort in this area. Absolutely. I just look forward to Crow and Mooring doing it for everybody else. <laughs> so as, as you move into the role at your current firm of Crowell and Mooring, and I believe you've been there about three months now, uh, what do you see as the opportunities uh, in DNI? Uh, at the firm and in the profession largely? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Kroll is, is similar to, you know, all, all firms. Um, they've got an excellent culture there, and, and I'm really excited to be there um, to kind of employ what I think would be important for the uh, industry generally. But I think that we, you know, I have kind of a personal model where you have to live intentionally, live on purpose is what I say. Um, so we have to be very intentional with our approach to diversity. Like I said, it's a numbers game. And so I, I, I don't believe in um, setting quotas or anything like that. But, you know, I do think that we need to specifically set our goals. You know, one of the just general questions, we talk about diversity generally, but like what, you know, what what does success look like is an important conversation that we have at Kroll. Um, what does success look like for my teams and, and for me, you know, personally? And so we've set up strategic plans and, and, and goals for us to hit. Um, understanding that, you know, I'm an ambitious person, so maybe we don't hit it. But um, there's a tenant back kind of going to um, and uh, professional development that I steal from Scott Westfall. that says, you know, you get what you measure. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's in really important with diversity is that, you know, you can't keep saying we want diversity and not really having an understanding of what that means to us. Is that 20%? Is that 30%? Is it 40%? Is it 50%? Um, or is it just a feeling or is it a culture? And, and I think it's different for everyone and I wouldn't want to put a value judgment, but I know what it's important for whatever or for every organization to know what it is for themselves and to shoot for that. So I, I think that's, you know, probably the, the, the primary thing that we're looking to do. Yes, that's interesting. So whether it's statistical or uh, aspirational goals that are set, I mean, how, how do you set the roles, the goals in your current role? And, uh, and you know, the strategies and tactics that you're working with now to sort of achieve them? Yeah, absolutely. I think the number one thing is understanding the strategic plan of the firm. You know, Kroll is uh, very advanced in terms of looking at diversity and very ambitious. Um, you know, one thing that's really great about the firm is that they currently exceed the national averages um, in their diversity demographics, but that's not good enough for them. And um, so it's a little intimidating to me because I'm like, that's great, but recognizing our national averages are still pretty terrible, to be honest with you. Um, and so and why I wanted to join a firm is that they are um, kind of advanced in thinking like that. You know, just being good enough is not good enough sometimes, especially when it comes to presenting the best service to your clients. Um, you know, kind of going back to your other uh question about your strategic plan. Yes, I don't want to mean, I don't mean to say that diversity is just a numbers game because you have the second part of diversity inclusion, which is the inclusion aspect. Making sure that we, and this is a moving target all the time because as law firms grow, as um, the industry changes, as society moves forward, it's a moving target, but making sure that everyone feels um, that they can be their authentic selves and bring uh, their true selves to work um, is incredibly important. You know, if you don't feel that you can be authentic and that you feel comfortable in your work environment, you're not going to be able to bring a hundred percent every day. You know, you're going to be phoning it in. You're going to the whole fake it till you make it. I hate that. 
um, because you're faking it, you're not making it, you know, and, and, and uh, that's where imposter syndromes and, and different things kind of come in. So, you know, really fostering an environment where everyone feels okay being themselves and, and to, um, you know, minimize, there's, there's a concept called covering that um, we want to reduce. So um, everyone feels like they're embraced and you can, you know, there's different type of thinkers, there's different types of learners. And we really want to embrace that and facilitate that and, and really maximize that. And you can bring in things like um, from the talent development side with, you know, whether it's Myers-Briggs or DISC, all these, you know, studies uh, really show that, you know, there's so much difference outside of race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation. Diversity goes on so many levels that it's important for us to, you know, not really limit our understanding of that, but from a really business and professional organization, um, embrace all of that to maximize that. Has the firm embraced that type of uh, personality assessment uh, like Myers-Briggs and identified the types of of people that are best suited for leadership within the firms? So absolutely, we, we are, one thing that I was very fortunate to inherit is that um, my current manager is an expert in DISC, she's certified in DISC, and um, she actually provides global trainings to our firms by department and by you know levels on um, using the DISC self-assessment, and that's the one that we've kind of chosen to, to stick with. And uh, we're doing some really interesting things to really identify work styles and, and to maximize the connections. Uh, at Kroll, connections are something that they very much focus on. Um, although it's a very corporate environment, um, I was, I don't wanna say shocked, but um, surprised to see how laid back and, and how um, human people are. Often we lose that in, uh, in corporate cultures. And uh, I don't want to say they force it, but they kind of do. You know, they have this thing with ducks and, and you know, you see people smiling and joking around and um, it's really refreshing. And I think that that's one of those things that, you know, especially for diversity and inclusion, it's just really just bringing humanity into the practice of law. You know, we get so caught on, you know, our excellence and our drive that we, just miss each other as human beings. And um, I think everybody, you know, feels refreshing when we just make those simple connections. And, and I, I really love the firm for being dedicated to that. Um, you know, I'm privileged that they brought me in to help continue to, to push that forward um, and to be mindful and strategic about doing that. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, firms bring in professionals like me um, because it's not just something that you happen on. You know, I think when, you know, organizations are small and it's a, you know, a group of 50 people, you might be able to do that. Um, but the level of sophistication that law firms are working out now, uh, the challenges that we face with, you know, our kind of intergenerational dynamics and um, the complexity of the legal practice, practicing law is hard, um, that we can easily lose ourselves in the humanity. And that's where things like the wellness now are, are coming up. Um, and we're there to really, you know, embrace and to try to capture and, and move things forward. So it sounds like the soft skills aren't so soft anymore that they no, actually absolutely. impact hard results. Absolutely not. And I think organizations who are going to really succeed going forward are those that really em em embrace that. And, and I, I know it sounds a little bit of self-interest, and I know we're talking to the PD community, um, so I know they know. Um, but I think that's going to be a really distinguishing factor in the next five, 10 years with organizations to um, 
you know, we're all operating at a pretty sophisticated level when it comes to substance. Um, but really being able to maximize um, the potential of our employees. Like, you know, if we, there's a, there's a, I mean, and it's, I hate to say it, but there's a breaking point with people. You know, technology is pushing us to work, you know, harder and more efficient as ever. Um, we're all type A personalities. We're all competitive. We all want to perform at our highest levels. Um, but, you know, as human beings, like, you know, we can only do so much. You have to sleep sometimes, which is a really hard, you know, this goes to some of the, you know, honest conversations that we have. You know, we are, we make money in law firms by how much we bill. And so, you know, one of the things that we are tempted to do is try to bill as much as we can. But there's a, a, a point of diminishing returns. And the, the diminishing returns is not just productivity, but your really your health and your well-being. And, and we've heard some really horrific stories, unfortunately. Um, you know, different people are uh, impacted differently. And um, it's very important that organizations are very intentional with how they um, approach that and, and, and proactive with how they approach that. Um, I, I believe a lot of these problems stem um, not because people don't want to make change, but they're blindly loyal. You know, they, they uh, bias a lot of times happen because they just put their, when you put your head down and work, you miss things around you. You know, when you put down your head and work, life passes you by. And that's really important to, it's, it's a great, and I'm a workaholic myself. So, you know, I, I need to be careful not to sound too much like a hypocrite. Um, and I know my wife would criticize me, probably my staff too. Um, but it's important for that we remember the humanity of what we're doing because we're no good to anybody when we break down. Absolutely. And do you think those attitudes are able to impact the recruitment and retention efforts at the firm? Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I met with our recruiting committee just yesterday and, and did a, a presentation. And just like, you know, it's very important how professional development and diversity work, uh, so is true with recruiting. You know, I, I think that it's important that all three of those departments work together. And then you can even lump in HR. You know, for me, I take a very holistic approach um, to talent management. I think, you know, I, I have this model that we're better together, you know, and it applies in, in so many different contexts. Um, but, you know, recruiting does, you know, works really, really hard to bring talent to people in the firm and, and people who will fit into our culture and, and we'll be able to maximize this opportunity. Um, so it's when they are there, um, then professional development usually takes over. So it's important that we communicate whether all the work they did worked out, you know, or, and, or if there are things that they can do to, you know, have more productive classes. In the same way, it's important for us on the professional development side to monitor morale to monitor development opportunities, um, to really communicate back to recruiting, to uh, help them see the needs that we have at the firm, the opportunities that exist. So um, we're not just recruiting. It's important. I mean, yes, you want to recruit talented people, but you want to recruit talented people who fit. You know, we don't want to bring people in who, you know, have a good year or two and want to leave. We're really trying to develop lawyers in the long term. Um, and I think that every law firm and every organization really, really wants to do that. Um, you know, kind of getting to the nuts and bolts recruiting and, and talent is an expensive proposition. And so when we lose people, um, 
it goes against kind of the business focus of the firm. Uh, that's where kind of now you're throwing diversity in there because when you look at the numbers, our diverse populations leave disproportionately early from you know our, our general uh, populations. And in diversity, in a sense, um, you have that canary in a coal mine effect. And, and so when you ha are having those populations leave, there's usually a, a bigger, more insidious issue going on um, that we can choose not to look at, or you can, you know, really be intentional and focus and, and try to fix the bigger problem as you're focusing on those particular demographics. All right. Well, that's really tremendous insight. Uh, and I want to thank my guest, Don Smith, Senior Director of Diversity and Professional Development at Crowell and Mooring and Chair of the Board of Directors of the Professional Development Consortium. We look forward to all of you viewing another edition of PLI's PD Insider. This is Craig Miller of the Practicing Law Institute. Thank you.